Well, good afternoon. Thanks, Chris. Um, before I enter the sermon, there is one announcement that was missed. Please don't take this the wrong way or the right way. Donna uh, has asked if um, next Saturday from 12 noon, anyone wants to turn up to the house, you can take anything away free. Okay? Now that does not include the doors, the armory, the windows, carpets, anything like that. But anything, you can come and take it from 12 noon. Okay. Is that right, Donna? Okay, very good. 12 noon next Saturday. Okay, very good. Okay, well, um, the, uh, the sermon today, um, I talk about victory through surrender. That's the, basically the title. And what I wanted to do is share some of the things that have helped me in my Christian life. Um, and one of the things that definitely has helped is surrendering to God in different, different areas of my life. Uh, it's just helped me. I think, I'm trying to remember how many years now, it's probably 31 years now that I've been a disciple. So um, certain things do help you uh, in, your, in your life. How does the word surrender go down, though? <laughs> Who likes... Oh, twist this. Better? Yes. Who likes the word surrender? Good, there's no nutty here. That's good. That's what I like to see. No one likes the word surrender. It's not in our character to like the word surrender. We all want to fight to the death of we're men. Um, in fact, talking about that, do you know when the last Japanese soldier surrendered during the war? No, uh, Biff Erlon, I think he'd be dead. Was it? Which one was? Five years ago. Okay, well, Google's telling me 1974. But anyhow, five years ago would be fine. But <laughs> I, I will tell you, there was, in 1974, there was a soldier called Hiru Onoda who remained in the jungle on Lubang Island near Luzan in the Philippines until 1974 because he did not believe that the war had ended. And then you can look this up, it, it, it's true. In fact, it, it was finally persuaded to surrender. Because what happened is, at the end of the war, obviously there was a lot of these Japanese soldiers who were stuck on these little islands that had been dropped off. Um, he was in intelligence, so he wasn't particularly smart, he didn't know the war was over. But anyhow, he was intelligent, and he was stuck on that island, as were others. Uh, he was the last one, as far as I was aware, until Chris mentioned another one. But uh, in 1974, and they took, they dropped leaflets to say the war was only, he thought it was American propaganda, trying to get him out, uh, and all sorts of things. And all these people, you'd come across people occasionally, they say, well, the war's over, and he thought it was all deceit. Um, and it took, it wasn't until they got his commander, his old commander, flew him out to the island, and he only gave up when this commander went to him and the guy who had authority over him said the war's over 1974 so uh, some people take it a while to realise that uh, you know <laughs> you need to give up anyhow some of it it's, it's, it's did help me a lot we're going to have a, there'll be a few pictures as we go through of some things that happen Alex if you can you just go to the next slide please so this is the definition of surrender in uh, a dictionary the uh, Webster dictionary to agree to stop fighting, resisting, etc., because you know that you will not win or succeed. To give the control or use of something to someone else. To allow something such as a habit or desire to influence or control you. The full definition of surrender, to yield to the power, control or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. 
To give up completely, to agree, to forgo, especially in favour of another. To give oneself up into the power of another, especially as a prisoner. To give oneself over to something as an influence. You know, it's amazing. When you, know, when you think about surrendering, you, when you surrender to something, you don't set what the demands are. You know, when the, when the, the Japanese surrendered uh, on, the, I think it was in Missouri, was it? Did you say? Was it was in Missouri? Anyhow, the ship they surrendered on and hand, they signed everything. They didn't, the Japanese didn't, okay, right, okay, we're going to surrender as long as, boom, 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 boom. You know, there weren't that, the people had the power, the ones who basically dictated the terms. And, you know, in a way, it's the same with God. God has told us sometimes what the terms are. If you turn, get to the next slide, please. In Luke 9.57, Luke 9.57, if you just turn there. Verse 57 says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. There's some fairly strong demands here about, you know, God wants to know exactly what it's going to be like. The first thing is, you know, foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, what's one of the things that we always feel we like to have? We all like to have a home to live in, don't we? Not many of us would like to leave here tonight and think, well, where am I going to sleep tonight? It's not a great thought. I know when I first came up to Birmingham, uh, I came up on the Birmingham mission team. Uh, and in those days, I probably was a bit more carefree. Uh, and uh, so I left... I caught the first train out of London. I started my job in Birmingham um, the first week in January of that particular year. And I turned up, uh, I basically had a briefcase, some clothes, just a few clothes in there, toothpaste and things like that. I did have toothpaste. <laughs> and a few bits and pieces. So I was, you know, I was one up in a lot of the, the single men that I knew at the time. But anyhow, we, I, I turned, caught the first train, got to uh, in did my first day at work. At the end of work, I said, oh, does anyone know where there's any hotels or cheap places I could stay at? Because I, I didn't know where I was going to sleep that night. Uh, and eventually, I did find this place, which was £12 a night. <laughs> now, it's not that it was a long, long time ago. It was £12 a night for a reason. <laughs> there was a lot of smells in it. It was a little damp. And now, I stayed there, managed to stay there for three nights, and then I went to the next place, which I managed to, because I didn't have a lot of money. Well, you know what this is like, don't you? Not having any money. I didn't have any, hardly any money, so I could only get something that was really, really cheap. So I found this place to, to rent. And uh, it, was, it was January, and we just had a snow. And uh, my little bedsit, uh, the only way I could get any heat into it was to turn the shower on because it's an electric shower. And that used to give a bit of heat come through. My light bulb was fascinating because 
I still remember it because it was a, a light bulb that had was half filled with water. I've never come across one again. But it's an amazing thing to see. You know, there's some amazing things. If if you if you live life like that, you do see some amazing things. Although I don't think I really miss it that much. But it is a funny feeling to to not know where you're going to live. We we like security, and you know. He's basically saying there's an element of living with me, living my way, that's not going to be comfortable. The next one says, let me bury my father. You know, we do sometimes want to put conditions on what we're going to do when we want to follow Jesus. That's for me as well. There's always that temptation to put conditions on. Yet God, I'll do this, but if I do that. And I find if you try and put conditions on, it doesn't really work. It's just surrendering to God. And the third one, he says, uh, uh, let me go back to say goodbye to my family. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, it's funny how you can look back and think, oh, if just. I can always remember, I actually became a, a disciple in San Diego, uh, which is a place in California, it's uh, fairly nice. Uh, and we, I was living there and that's where I became a disciple and that time in the church and things evolved in the church and that time in the church if you became a Christian you got sent pretty well straight back to the country you came from because that was the thinking that's your country you come from you go back and evangelise and help people in that country so I was basically told to go Al you're okay <laughs> no panic but that, that was, and it, it was, you know, it's, now looking back, it's sort of like, well, it was a funny way of thinking, but, you know, th- there's some things that, you know, maybe it wasn't a bad idea. But anyhow, leaving uh, San Diego to come back to England, occasionally, when I was in one of the uh, brothers' flats, I might think back to San Diego <laughs> and the comforts there. You know, but and sometimes, you know, some of those things, they're, they're just thoughts and they're sort of a bit of fun. Sometimes we can look back on things and think, yeah, that would be good to do that again, but it actually isn't. And we know those sort of things. We have those things that we've been involved with in life that we know they don't help. Next slide, please, Alex. We talked about four real issues that uh, help me to surrender to. The first one is life. Now, you might not recognise that picture. That's uh, Amos, <laughs> full of life. So the top picture is the close-up. The other picture down the bottom is actually where he is. He's on the top of a tree. So they just all scampered up the tree and offered me to come chasing up after them. Well, I stayed down there uh, because life teaches me that if I go up there like he did and I fall down, I, I break easily. <laughs> So I don't do it. Go to the next slide, please, Alex. In Romans 8, verse 1. Just turn your Bibles there to Romans 8, verse 1. This is a bit like what Ricky was talking about in his communion, actually. About the battle between the flesh um, and doing what's right. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in in Christ Jesus. Before... Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of the sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You know, there is a constant battle for us, isn't there, between the flesh and the Spirit. God gave us a Spirit to help us to uh, be there, to help us to to do what's right. Uh, And sometimes it's difficult. Um, You know, sometimes our cravings are always trying to desire to to do something different. Now, we've been looking for a, a new house. Um, recently and uh, you know when you start looking in different places for a house um, we w- walked into one in Selly Oak uh, it's a new house um, and, but when I walked in the ceilings are about uh, 2.3 modern houses they've all got very low ceilings so I felt claustrophobic I felt like everything's enclosing on me uh, so I didn't particularly like that one but then when you look through it it's, it's very tempting because you see at places like out at Tamworth you can get a house that's probably eighty, ninety thousand 90,000 pound cheaper than in Birmingham that has a swimming pool, for instance. You know, and you look at those things and it's all very, you know, but it's all flesh stuff. It's all what the flesh, wouldn't that be nice? Is it what's best? No, what's best for me and my family is that we're near Christians um, to help us in our lives. You know, even with our jobs, you know, it's one of the hardest things it's been for me in my job is that in my, you know, my job just takes up so much time and trying to free that time so I can do... You know, I really admire people who have got their minds and heads set straight in this, that they're making as much time as possible for God and doing God's work. Uh, I know Walter, for instance, he's, you know, his whole ambition in the, in the way that he leads his family is to make time so he can do what's right for God. Um, and that, that's looking at what type of job he does. Um, so, you know, there's always those sort of battles going on. Our jobs, if, we, if we're in intense jobs, our jobs are always trying to drag us away from doing what's right. There's always something that's going on. Even when I got home on Friday night, Friday night, I'd been, uh, Friday afternoon, I'd been out, I got back home, and there was uh, 102 emails that afternoon, which all needed my attention. Now, my temptation was, let's deal with some of those emails. Um, that's because I was getting a bit like, what do I do with this? Right is closing the emails and focusing on family issues and family matters and things I need to do at home or even going for a bike ride as I did. Um, you know, those things are more important than the emails at work. 
But the temptation is always there. Uh, now, I'm fortunate to have a wife who tells me what I need to hear rather than what I want to hear. <laughs> you know, and that's a very good thing to get, guys. It's a really good thing to get. Uh, you want a wife who's not just going to say, oh, yes, you're, you're wonderful. Uh, you're great. Uh, you're tanned like Ricky. <laughs> A little joke from last night. <laughs> Number four in Misty Bodybuilder, was it? Number four? Number four in Britain. Was that, Tan? It was number four, but there was four contestants. <laughs> If you ever want to hear, I know you weren't in the marriage event, but if you ever want to hear a, a really good thing, just listen to Ricky and talk about his life before and his life and how he's sold himself out for God. It's a, it's a really good thing to listen to. Next slide, please, Alex. Uh, should we move on to the next because I'm running out of time. Okay, obedience. The photos, are, sorry, the photos don't have anything to do with obedience. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's, the photos, I just thought I'd show some photos of the uh, mass grave ball from last night as we go through. But uh, So uh, you, you have to try and guess who they are. Uh, <laughs> some are a bit of a giveaway. Okay, yeah, there's a few there. Yeah, some, some weren't very good at masquerading. Next, photo, uh, next one, please, Alex. So I want to talk about obedience. Uh, John 14... It says, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourselves to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Now, obedience is not an easy thing to do either. Now, we don't like obeying. Um, The Bible talks about children obeying and things like that. But we don't like obeying. Um, Our boss at work tells us to do something. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's very difficult to obey, but it's also difficult um, to obey Scripture. There's Scriptures that we like, and there's Scriptures that are a bit more challenging. You know, and some of those challenging scriptures are the ones that I struggle sometimes to want to obey. Because when it says things like, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a simple, unbelieving heart, I read a scripture like that, and I know, well, if I am going to do that, if I am going to see to it that my brother, I know there's a possibility I might offend him, or there's going to be a bit of conflict. And that's not really why I want to go. Naturally, that's not where I want to go. I don't want naturally to do that. In the same way, naturally, I don't particularly want to be a leader in a church or anything like that. That's all leader company. That's not where I want to be. But if God puts me in those situations, then there's an obedience there. And there's benefits from being obedient to God. Definitely out and down, being obedient brings about its benefits. Uh, and, you know, and the other ones, you know, when you talk about scriptures like do not give up meeting together, some in the habit of doing. For me, there's definitely a times in my life where it's been like, you know, I could really do with not being going to this particular meeting today. 
I mean, I think there's times where it's just silly. It, it, many years ago in the church, sometimes there would be three, four meetings a day. Well, that's just being a bit silly, if I'm honest. You know, we don't need that. We need things that are going to help what everybody. Um, but, you know, there are things I need to, There are things where if I go to that meeting or go to meet someone, there's going to be a spiritual benefit for me. I know it. I'm just fighting my flesh and needing to be obedient against it and, and sort that out. Uh, can you go to the next slide, please, Alex? Repentance. <laughs> Again, the slide name has nothing to do with individuals. I suddenly realise when they're up there that people are trying to put things in that aren't there. But anyhow, uh, the one on the left, Batman. But, uh, yeah, you never know who that is. Uh, next slide, please, Alex. This is Paul writing. He says in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 to 11. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. That's a funny thing to say, isn't it, straight away? Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, 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 but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every, po- every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. Now for me in my life, when you know, we may all make mistakes, don't we? part and parcel of life. We make mistakes, but I think as uh, was being said by Ricky during the communion, you know, you can't just keep making the same mistake, 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 uh, and just say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's not what repentance is about. That's not real repentance. Real repentance is when you make a change. Um, And for me, that's been an important thing to do, that I've had to look at my life and things have happened to say, right, I really need to change this. And that's not just being sorry about it. It'd be like, it'd be like if, uh, if I said to Claire, oh look, I'm really, really sorry that I didn't clean the bathroom this week. Yeah, and I would feel very, very sorry that it was my duty to do it. Now if I, left, if I said that, and then the bathroom a month later was still in the same state, what would that be proving? That's not... That's not me changing things. That's not that's worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is I'd do something about it, uh, and I'd see that in my life. You know, uh, there's a, a well-known thing that you've probably heard. Um, uh, some close family members have even used this word. It's when they say, um, "Look," when the wife says, "Look, you don't tell me you love me anymore." And they say, "Well, I told you." I loved you when I married you, and I'll tell you if I feel any different. You just wouldn't do that, would you? But that's what people have said. That's a well-known American thing, actually, that they say, now, I told you once I loved you. If I, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, charming, isn't it? Nice, yeah. But that has been used. Well, how does that make someone feel? You know, if, you, if you feel love, you expect to see something, don't you? 
someone says they love you, what do you expect? You expect to see something. You know, you, don't, you wouldn't expect, oh, I love you, you come to Valentine's Day and there's nothing there. You know, and I'm sure all the husbands here didn't forget February the 14th that they did something special for their wives. <laughs> Looking around, red face. Nope. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's go on. Um, you know, sorrow is a momentary thing. Uh, repentance is a life-changing thing. It changes your life. Your okay, next slide, please, Alex. <laughs> Decisions is my next one. Guess who forgot? Guess who's a cheapskate when it comes to a masquerade? <laughs> a masquerade mask. Hey, hey. Never mind. Anyhow, okay, next slide, please, Alex. Joshua 9. Uh, this is where the Gibeonites uh, managed to uh, con. Uh, Joshua basically and, and the leaders in verse 9 it says they answered your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God we have heard reports of him all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan Sion king of the Heshbon and Og king of Bashan who reigned in Ashtoreth and our elders and all those living in our country said to us take provisions for your journey Go and meet with them and say to them, We are your servants. Make a treaty with us. This bread of yours was warm when we packed it at home the day we left to come to you. But now, see how dry and mouldy it is? And these wineskins that we filled were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. The thing I want to point on here is verse 14. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. You know, it's one of the things, I have to admit, that in, in many times in my life, I've not done well at doing this that I'm making some fairly important decisions in life, and who am I missing out? The Lord. Speaking to God. And do you know what? It's funny, isn't it? When you do do it, it all seems to work out. It all seems to be very clear. But the amount of times that I don't do it, you know, when, it when it comes to all sorts of... You think about every aspect of your, of your life, the decisions you make, you know, even to what car shall I get? What, and when we actually start thinking about it and praying to God about it and asking different questions to him about it, it's amazing how it can make things clearer for you, make it easier. On a day-to-day basis now, our company, we, you know, we've grown from 10, 12 people, which is fairly manageable, uh, now to 40 people. On a day-to-day basis, I'm dealing with issues that I just have not got a clue about, if I'm honest. I've, you know, have meetings, I've times with guys who come in to have a chat about things. I've had people crying. I've had people um, who've got real serious illnesses. 
lots of different issues that I never had to deal with when there was 10, 12 people. And sometimes you're like, you know, well, how am I going to do all this, 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 and this, um, with this all going on? But when I actually sit down and I say to God, God, I really don't know the answer to this. I really don't know what to do here. Uh, please give me some guidance. It's amazing how something works out. That either the person has a change of heart, a change of mindset, comes over and has a chat about something, or some situations where the company made a big mistake and I thought, uh oh, I'm going to get a real roasting here from the client, and actually <coughs> prayed about it, and they come in and they're reasonable. And that's just because inquiring of the Lord. Now, we're never always going to inquire of the Lord, but there are consequences. There were co- consequences here. There's always consequences. That, you know, consequences are consequences. You have to deal with them. God's always going to work through different situations, but there are things that happen. In this situation, there was some baggage called the Gibeonites that, uh, that then they had to deal with. So there's always things going to happen, but it's really... For me, it's always been very important to surrender to God's will and not my will. Because my will is always trying to do something different to God's will. And I just wanted the next slide, please, Alex. So, just put down here, gain victory and surrender through life, obedience, repentance and decisions. Just helps you to surrender to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. And I will finally say that when you surrender to God, you gain what you always get with surrender, peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you.